Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, first came the rush to buy the presents. Now comes the second wave of shoppers. They're out in full force today, hitting the stores not to pick up gifts, but this time to return or exchange the ones they got. Welcome to the Best New Ideas in Money, a podcast from MarketWatch. I'm Stephanie Kelton. I'm an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University. And I'm Jeremy Elshan, the editor of MarketWatch. Each week, we explore innovations in economics, finance, technology, and policy that rethink the way we live, work, spend, save, and invest. This week, we're talking about the annual orgy of spending known as the holiday season. Americans will shell out $1.3 trillion over the next weeks, mostly on stuff their friends and family probably don't want or need. And when these gifts get returned, 90% of them will never be resold. Every year, 15 million metric tons of carbon are emitted because of return merchandise. And the rest, the $90 billion worth of gifts that never make it back to the store, will likely end up in landfills. And this year, the complication of the supply chain crisis may make it impossible to get the gifts you want to buy in the first place, especially for my fellow procrastinators. But maybe there's a silver lining to this retail apocalypse. Maybe it will force us to rethink our approach to the holidays and use science to give gifts that deliver more joy and value. You'd think humans would be much better gift givers since it's one of the oldest forms of social interaction. To give, receive, and reciprocate gifts may be one of the oldest foundations of human society. Our closest primate cousins, like chimpanzees, they also give each other presents, usually in the form of food and tools. Scientists have studied their behavior to help understand our own instinct toward generosity. That's right. Anthropologists have been saying for a century that the exchange of gifts was crucial to building social solidarity. These days, we do it mostly without thinking. But gift-giving can be more than an empty, automatic ritual. Recent research in psychology suggests there's a better way to do it. We can give gifts that make people happier and better off. That's what we're going to cover today. Gifts that pay off. How do we choose a gift that delivers real and lasting value, something that won't get returned to the store? The answer may be to think outside the supply chain altogether. Leslie Albrecht is the deputy editor for personal finance at MarketWatch. She's written stories about how to choose gifts that pay off in the long run. One of the problems is that we think too much about the moment when the person is going to receive the gift and how they're going to react in that moment. We engage in what's called smile-seeking behavior. We really want the person in the moment to smile and say, oh my gosh, what an amazing present. And so we often go after gifts that have what researchers refer to as a wow factor. This is human nature, but that's actually the totally wrong approach. It's really better if you focus on the other person. The long-term value that people are going to derive from the gift, not about how they're going to react in the moment. Research shows that when we're doing what we think is a selfless task of choosing a gift for someone else, we actually tend to be rather self-centered. We think about what we would want and also worry about the reaction we'll get. 
There was even a study where people had the choice between giving a friend a framed photo of their favorite musician or a framed photo of the two friends together. And people, usually they went for the framed photo of the friend's favorite musician. But in reality, the recipient always preferred the framed snapshot of the two friends together. The study Leslie's describing tells us that people would rather get personal gifts. So go ahead and knit that sweater or bake those cookies. People need to be bold and embrace the sentimental. It will help them deepen their relationships with the recipients. Leslie says a successful choice is less about the gift itself and more about how the gift can strengthen your relationship with the recipient, as well as giving them something they really need or desire. So you're not being lazy if you take the most direct approach and just ask the person what they actually want. Even though there are sort of these like societal ideas about how it's kind of craft to ask somebody what they want, it's better to do that. The gift that will result from that question is going to be something that gives them actual happiness over the longer term. And that in turn is going to deepen your relationship with that person. A gift doesn't have to be a physical object. Leslie says one of the best gifts you can give a loved one might be the gift of time. There's been research about how spending just a little bit of money to help people save time really makes them happy. People do not like to do certain tasks in their lives like laundry and grocery shopping and lawn care. And if you spend as little as $40 to buy another person out of those tasks, then it increases their happiness by huge amounts. And it's a small investment that helps them get some time back and it really pays dividends. So one of the things my sister and I did recently for Mother's Day is that we got housekeeping services for my mom because we all know that we have to spend a lot of time cleaning up the house. And we thought this was a way to give her back some of her own time so that she could spend that time doing something she actually enjoys. I think she was really surprised that we thought of something like that. She was so grateful that she's decided to keep the housekeeping going on her own. Faced with the choice between purchasing a thing or an experience, most people will choose the material item in the belief that it will last longer, psychologists tell us. But they're wrong. The fleeting quality of experiences is exactly why we find them ultimately more satisfying than stuff. Unlike gadgets, clothing, and even furniture, experiences don't age into obsolescence. These experiences live on in the stories that we tell. That's Amit Kumar, one of the researchers behind some of these studies. He's an assistant professor of marketing and psychology at the University of Texas. Kumar says we should be thinking about giving gifts that someone would want to tell their friends about. Experiential purchases, they're more likely to contribute to their sense of self because they foster their social relationships and because they promote conversations. Studies show that social interaction is key to our happiness and well-being. So when you give a gift that encourages that interaction, it's likely to make both you and the person you're giving it to happier than if you just bought them something material. Sometimes an object can also be an experience. I recently gave my son a guitar. It's a physical object, but it also has the potential to give him what I hope are a fair share of great experiences, like learning an instrument and playing in a band with his friends. Those experiences foster shared memories and conversation. 
When you think about our current supply chain problems, giving an experience seems like a great alternative to a gift you ordered not coming in time. Think about that exciting anticipation time leading up to a family vacation or a cooking class, as opposed to the time you might spend impatiently waiting for an item to arrive in the mail. But not everyone is going to enjoy the same experience. Here's Leslie Albrecht again. One interesting sort of caveat to the research around experiences versus items is that younger folks prefer experiences that are called extraordinary experiences like skydiving or tickets to a Beyonce show. But older folks prefer more mundane experiences like going out to lunch at a nice restaurant and having a glass of wine together. Parents and grandparents can be the hardest to buy gifts for. They often have what they need already, or they're in a position, financially, to buy it for themselves. Here's Mira Jagannathan, Inequality Editor for MarketWatch. Well, I don't know about your parents, but I know mine will usually just buy themselves whatever they want when they want it. So it's really difficult to think of a thing they haven't already thought of. But it is not impossible. Mira says listening to the things parents and grandparents ask for help with or can't do easily themselves is a good place to start. You could do something for them that they just don't have the time or the know-how to easily do themselves, like digitizing old family photos. I know my mom is constantly asking me to do that. You could vet a financial planner or advisor for them, or you could pay for something like TaskRabbit or yard care, you know, a cooking service to help them free up some time. Besides the gift of time, you could give the gift of learning, which is great at any age and something a parent or grandparent might not do on their own. There's some good research out there that suggests that learning new skills can help provide cognitive benefits for older people. So if your mom is retired and she's on a memoir writing kick, maybe you send her to a writing workshop. If your dad used to be into learning guitar and he kind of dropped off somewhere, maybe buy him lessons, get him back into it. So one of the best presents that I can ever remember getting was for my husband. He wasn't my husband at the time. We were just dating. And I had just bought a new home. And I was trying to make all of these changes, paint rooms and that sort of thing. And he came over and it was Valentine's Day. And he gave me a little bag. And I opened the bag and there was a paintbrush inside and a note. And the note was the best part because the note said that he would give me as much of his time as I needed and he would help me paint the sunroom. So I was just so grateful because I knew at the time he really didn't have a lot of time. And so when he did that for me, I thought that was just about the most generous gesture. And six months later, we got married. My dad's always been a tough person to buy presents for. And at the start of the pandemic, he had a stroke. Fortunately, he's doing really well. But through the recovery, I was trying to think what would be a good gift. And when he was younger, he used to play piano. He was very good. He kind of stopped. The piano in my parents' house, which was his mom's piano, was no longer tunable. So I got him two things, a nice digital keyboard and piano lessons, which he did over Zoom. It's something he never would have done on his own. These are not traditionally what you think of as the big gifts. You know, you search all the lists of what to get someone are. And I guess that's the theme that runs through this episode. Is it possible that giving these experiential gifts can do more than just skirt the whole supply chain mess, but actually improve our society? We'll talk more about that after the break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the best new ideas in money. Before the break, we learned how giving experiences instead of physical gifts could be the best way to show our appreciation during the holidays. We talked about what our parents and grandparents might enjoy, but what if you're the parent or the grandparent looking for a gift with a long-term payoff for a younger person in your family? Americans owe $1.6 trillion in student loan debt. So anything you can do to take the edge off that. That's Quentin Futrell, personal finance editor at MarketWatch. Alleviating debt while helping a child or grandchild get a college education is a gift with real long-lasting value. One way to do that is to open a 529 college savings plan, which allows you to contribute up to $15,000 in pre-tax money per student per year. Families can put money into a 529 savings account for college, and these are great vehicles that have tax benefits and can really accrue money over time. And of course, the younger you start such an account, the better. The money in a 529 account can grow over time and then be withdrawn tax-free. It's a great way for families to save for educational expenses like tuition, but also things like laptops and books, essentials that end up costing a lot of money. A student with a scholarship can still use the money for other costs like room and board. So the best thing is if the intended beneficiary doesn't even go to college, the money can then be rolled over to another person in the family who does go to college. Investing in someone's education can be a great idea, especially if it alleviates the stress of taking on debt and it contributes to an experience they're likely to appreciate for the rest of their lives. Not everyone is in the position to make these kinds of big-ticket investments. But Jacob Passy, a personal finance reporter for MarketWatch, thinks that real estate, if you can afford it, is probably the best possible gift. Especially in pricey markets, you see it becoming harder and harder for young adults to be able to save up enough for a down payment both because of rising home prices and rising rents. And there's a lot of parents are you know, wanting to help their kids out by giving them the gift of real estate, giving them a home or giving them money towards a home so that they can reduce what would otherwise be an insurmountable obstacle. We've been talking about strategies for choosing gifts that pay off. But when we give an experience as a gift, it turns out there can be unexpected benefits. Research suggests that this feeling of gratitude can lead to further altruistic behavior. Here's Amit Kumar again. People are more grateful for what they've done than for what they have. This association between gratitude and further altruistic behavior. That is, gratitude has been shown to lead to giving. To study this pay-it-forward effect, Kumar had participants play a game where they decide how to allocate an amount of money between themselves and an anonymous stranger. What we find in experiments like this 
is that participants in these studies are more charitable. They donate more money to an anonymous stranger, and we've just had them recently think about experiences than when they've just thought about significant possessions that they've bought. It's easy to get excited about a material object, you know, that momentary high when you open the present. But experience gifts are not just long-lasting. They may even have positive effects on those around you. This work sort of speaks to a simple way in which people's everyday lives can be improved. It's not really a hard lesson to put into practice. If you just shift your spending in a way such that you spend a bit less on material goods, a bit more on experiences, you'll likely be better off as a result. And it turns out that those around you might be better off as well. Yeah, with all those stories about the supply chain and how the holidays were going to be ruined, one thing this moment has done, along with the past 18 months in general, has forced us to think about what's most important in life. And I think the supply chain, as terrible as this has been for the economy, in some ways, maybe it's an opportunity for us to be more thoughtful about our gift giving and how we demonstrate what really matters to ourselves and to our you know, friends and loved ones. Maybe a lot of people are already starting to think in different ways. How can I get more creative because of supply chain challenges and so forth? So a lot of people might be on their own trying to find ways to give a gift that doesn't involve delivering a physical thing. Yeah, I hope our optimistic appraisal is right, because part of me wonders if, you know, what will really happen is everyone will fall back on one of the worst inventions in retail the gift, gift card. card, the most soulless <laughs> thing you could give someone, although it's often the most useful and appreciated. It's kind of a gift paradox. An experiential gift doesn't have to be expensive or extravagant. You can do things like make a playlist for someone. Or my kids used to give me those little coupon books that would say good for one free back rub or good for one breakfast in bed. You could take a friend for a pedicure or give them tickets to go see a movie. So this may be the year to skip ordering that gadget that won't arrive in time for the holidays anyway. There are so many benefits to experiential gift giving. You won't clog up the supply chain, you'll help reduce the amount of waste from packaging and returns, and you'll be creating memories that last longer and may even lead to a more generous society. To quote the Grinch, it came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. So this season, give an experience, and you might find that your holiday joy is the one thing that is not in short supply. Thanks for listening to The Best New Ideas in Money. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. And if you have ideas for future episodes, drop us a line at bestnewideasinmoney at marketwatch.com. Thanks to Mira Jagannathan, Amit Kumar, Leslie Albrecht, Jacob Passy, and Quentin Fotrell. To learn more about gifts that pay off, head to marketwatch.com. I'm Stephanie Kelton. And I'm Jeremy Olshan. The Best New Ideas in Money is a podcast for MarketWatch, produced by Best Case Studios. Devin Maverick-Robbins and Suzanne Myers are our producers. And our associate producer is Hanali Buitz Lockhart. Our researcher is Alana Myers. The executive producer for Best Case Studios is Adam Pincus. For Market Watch, Melissa Haggerty is the executive producer, and the associate producer is Katie Ferguson. Jeremy Binks is our news editor. This episode was mixed by Melissa Pons. The Best New Ideas and Money theme was composed by Sam Retzer. Stephanie Kelton is an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University, and not part of the Market Watch newsroom. We'll be back next week with another new idea.